Imagine being a young child from a small town with a big dream. A big dream that was fostered by a belief that God was going to use you in a significant way, but you didn't know how. And when he started to do so, he took you on a major detour that you didn't even understand. Now, it will lead you to work with some of the greatest ministries and singers and stand on stages and sing in some amazing places. But then he would call on you to do something radically different that would totally take you away from what you thought you were going to do, but then actually confirm what he first spoke to you. Now, that whole story is what you're going to hear from my friend Kelly Brownlee. She's been on the podcast before, and I wanted to show you this interview during this Women's History Month as I'm recording in March so that you could see that no matter who you are, no matter what gender, no matter what place, no matter what space you're in, God can take your little dream and make it into a big purpose. You're going to hear all about it in this amazing episode. Don't miss a minute of it. Give me just a moment to welcome those of you who are new to God and Gigs, and then we'll get into this inspiring episode. Artists, musicians, and creatives of all kinds. Looking for help balancing your passion to create with your everyday life? Not sure if your faith can coexist with your profession? Welcome to a place where real artists discuss real life. You're listening to The God and Gig Show. Visit GodandGigs.com for show notes, links, and more information. Hello and welcome to our show. Thank you so much for making this podcast a part of your creative day. And if you are new to our show, you are in the right place at the right time. And let me tell you why. As a faith-focused, creative, musician, content creator, you are someone that probably understands that your gift belongs anywhere that God wants you to be, inside or outside of the church, but it's not easy to navigate that space. So we help you do that by solving your temporary creative problems with timeless spiritual principles. My name is Alan C. Paul. I'm an author, musician, and creative coach, and we've been here since 2015 or so, and the podcast has been around for over 200 episodes, helping you with incredible interviews with inspirational leaders, thought leaders, creators, musicians, people who have done exactly what you're doing and have done it the right way. So you're among friends. Make sure you subscribe, follow. You have found your tribe. And speaking of finding your tribe, there is no better interview I could bring back to you than this one. Now, I don't bring reposted or encore episodes unless I am absolutely sure it addresses an issue that you are dealing with right now. And that's the case with this interview with my friend, Kelly Brownlee. Now, as we recorded this back in 2020, she is already embarking on some incredible creative things. But now as I'm recording this in Women's History Month, which is why I really wanted to highlight these amazing women who have always been a part of our community, this was a perfect time to highlight yet again her amazing story and so that she can help you to take a leap of faith into your creative and spiritual calling. Now, Kelly has already had an astoundingly successful creative career, having sung as a background vocalist for amazing, legendary gospel artists like Dorinda Clark Cole, Karen Clark Sheard, the Clark Sisters, Kira Sheard, Deidre Haddon, Vanessa Bell Armstrong, and the list goes on and on. However, that is not where her gifting and her calling ends. She is now living out a new part of her purpose as a staff pastor, a worship leader, as a mentor to younger leaders. And as I mentioned before, she is now going to be pastoring along with her husband, a new launch of a church called Story Collective Church. Even as I'm recording this, I'm looking at the post where they're going to be launching very soon. So I am so excited to bring you this story of a creative who has stepped into her calling in ministry and creative life and wants to do so with authenticity and shows you how to stay brave, how to be courageous enough to listen to God, to be obedient to God, and to give him access to all your creative gifts even when they lead you in a place that you didn't expect to go. This is going to inspire, motivate, and encourage you all over again. So let's get right into this amazing interview that I had with my beautiful sister and friend, Kelly Brownlee. Ladies and gentlemen, it is an honor, a pleasure, and a long time coming <laughs> for me to introduce... Kelly 
Kinley. How I mess up your name? I got so excited I messed up your name. I'm just going to say Kelly, okay? Welcome, (laughs) Kelly, to the Got a Gig Show. Kelly, how are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm so glad to be here. I am super excited. Like, you can tell, like, I'm giddy. I am a fanboy uh, (laughs) for several people on this podcast. So usually when I talk like this and I get all nervous and trip over my words, it's because I have such high respect and honor for my guests. Um, Because I, as a musician, artist, whatever you want to call me, I really do feel like I've kind of ridden on the coattails of so many people who have gone and done amazing things. And then Mm. I see kind of like in the background, like, wait, they're not just doing things. They're real people. Mm. And that's what I've really respected about you from the get-go. We've been joking from before the recording about how we've been following each other on Twitter and and I don't know, MySpace, I don't know how far back we go. Right? (laughs) That's great. So I just want to give everybody a chance to understand why I'm so giddy and why I respect you so much. Can you please just do the elevator speech, the 30 seconds, who you are, kind of just what you do, and so that we can like introduce you to everybody. Sure. Well, um, my name is Kelly. Um, My maiden name is Kenny. My married name is Brownlee. Um, I am currently a worship leader and I also, also, um, work as the student development director at our ministry school, um, here in Pittsburgh. And, um, we used to live in Detroit where I sang background for, um, Dietrich Hatton, the Clark sisters, Kiara Sheard, uh, Shana Wilson, and lots of independent artists. And, um, I'm married. My husband is a producer, musician, media guru, and uh, we have three kids. And so now we live in Pittsburgh and um, this feels like home. This feels like we are right where we are supposed to be. We've been here, um, I guess, about three years now. And um, I don't know that we'll ever leave. Wow. So yeah. I, I, ha- I, 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 you've just kind of put so much in that little bio and I probably have already introduced you when I did the intro or, you know, later on when I, when I record this. But that path from Detroit and then all the artists you've mentioned and the ministry that you've kind of basically has always been a part of your life, as I can tell. And I want you to tell that story. Kind of, to me, makes it, it makes it feel like it's seamless. And I know it's not. At all. So I want to, yeah, <laughs> I know. Like, so, so now we have to break down, like, how does one get from... Uh, uh, from one place to the next, like your journey in working with these artists, obviously the artistry side and then the ministry side and the family side. When I read your tweets and I follow you on Instagram, I read your writing, I see this nice cohesive picture, but you're so good at making sure people understand it was not that easy. Absolutely. uh, So can you just tell me first the beginnings of like, how did you get into music and singing in the first place? Like, where did this begin? Was it, were you in a musical family or was it something that, how did you get into it as a young person? Well, I grew up um, in a small church in a little town called Wheeling, West Virginia. It's about an hour and a half away from Pittsburgh. Um, And uh, I grew up apostolic, Pentecostal Assemblies of the World. And um, we actually went to a church where um, the pastor was a female, which in that day was like unheard of, but um, we had a female pastor and we lived in a duplex. And so she and her husband lived downstairs and me, my mom and my dad lived upstairs. And on Saturday mornings, she would get up early and she had an organ in her house. She would get up early and she would play hymns and sing. And I mean, you could hear her upstairs. She wasn't trying to be quiet about it. (laughs) And um, she would call upstairs and she would say, Deacon Kenny, send down Kelly Rose. And I would come down and I would sit on the side of her on her organ. And that's how I learned um, hymns. And that's how I became comfortable with um, females in ministry. Like I really didn't know that that was even like a issue until, (laughs) until I got older and moved away because it was so normal in my life. And um, I actually was pretty shy as a child. And so I didn't, I wasn't one of those kids that just couldn't wait to get behind the mic and couldn't wait to sing. Um, That wasn't me at all. It was actually the opposite. I was very shy. And I remember the first time I sang a solo at church, it was fill my cup, Lord. And uh, (laughs) afterwards, you know, um, you know, people came to me and were saying very nice things. And I remember my mom saying to me when we got home from church, 
she said, um, you have a beautiful voice. And she said, but um, now I want, I want to believe what you're singing. Ooh, and wow. she, she was never um, a sugar coat. She's still not. Um, <laughs> she's not a person that sugarcoats. And she said to me, she said, you have a beautiful voice. And she said, but you'll never be any different than anybody else if you don't believe what you're singing. And that really stuck with me. And, and so I remember um, by the time I was like in junior high and I started getting a little bit more confident, I remember spending hours and that's not an exaggeration, <laughs> spending hours listening to like the Winans and the Clark sisters and Whitney Houston and Natalie Cole and just like classic voices. I mean, just listening to them on the record player and really, I don't know, really honing into the fact that, that I, I knew they believed what they were singing and that changed me. And when I did give my life to the Lord, when I was 12, um, you know, that's when it really started to become real. Wow. And I love the fact that once you got the immediate feedback, uh, both musical and character in terms of, like you said, believing what you sing, uh, believing what you are actually presenting. Mm -hmm. Um, and, um, at such a young age, I, 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 you can hear it. I think in your, the way you're describing it, that that carried something, some weight, uh, because if you're going to go, I guess, I don't know, when, when did you then go into performing or singing in terms of like more professionally and, uh, you know, where, where you might've been noticed for your, for your talent? Honestly, it was an accident. I mean, like I, <laughs> I didn't set out, um, to do anything professional. I mean, I had dreams of course of singing. Um, I, I mean, honestly, I didn't even have dreams of singing with the Clark sisters. I just wanted to meet the Clark sisters. I mean, who didn't? Um, <laughs> and so I was at the time I was a worship pastor at a church in, um, in Columbus, Ohio. And, uh, my pastor, um, back home is Bishop Dawkins, Bishop Roy Dawkins and his, his sons are Anson and Eric Dawkins. And so, um, I had talked to Anson and Eric and I was going to move to LA and, do some work with them and probably do a publishing deal. But in between moving there, I had met this pastor that lived in Detroit and he asked me to come to Detroit before I moved to LA. And I will never forget being on the plane. Um, and the, I heard the, the captain come on and he said, we are now making our final descent into the Detroit area. And as soon as he finished saying that this is the one out of maybe two times in my life that I can recall the Holy Spirit speaking to me in an audible voice. And the voice of the Holy Spirit said to me, you are moving to Detroit. And I said out loud, absolutely not. <laughs> I did not want to move to Detroit. I was like, Detroit is dirty. I don't know these people. Like there were just all kinds of reasons why I was just determined to, to move to L.A., and I remember as that plane landed that the Holy Spirit began to minister to me um, that that he was calling me to Detroit. And he made me some promises um, about how my life would change when I moved there. And um, so honestly, I didn't set out like to go to Detroit. I honestly didn't have any desire to go to Detroit. And what happened was I was in a record store called God's World in Detroit. And I was listening. I had headphones on at that time. You could listen to CDs and put headphones on before remember, you bought the yeah, CD. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah. <laughs> and so I'm standing there in this record store and I was whistling um, along to, to one of the albums that I was listening to. And this gentleman comes up behind me and he tapped me and he said, he said, who are you? And I mean, first of all, I'm in my early twenties. I'm, you know, born and raised in a small city. I was immediately uncomfortable. I was like, who is this random guy talking to me <laughs> at the record store asking me, who am I? And so at first I would, I just didn't even say anything. And then he said to me, he said, you have to meet my boss. And I was like, okay. And he was like, I heard you whistling and, and you have to meet my boss like ASAP. And um, so he gave me all this information and he told me 
um, where to come and meet him. And really, honestly, now that I think about it, it was kind of sketchy. But, um, <laughs> you know, I was, I was young and naive. And so anyways, I went and I met this guy at, I think I met him at Greater Emmanuel, to be honest. Um, and uh, he was like, I want you to meet my boss and, and walked Dorinda Clark Cole. And I was like, I, I mean, I was stunned. I was stunned. And I didn't start singing for her right away because at that time, um, Kiki hadn't put out an album yet. And so she was actually singing tenor. So I actually started out singing professionally background with Dietrich, Dietrich Hatton. And then maybe about, um, maybe about six months into that, Kiara had started um, working on her solo project. And um, Dorinda, you know, I got reconnected somehow and the rest is kind of history, I guess. That is that is incredible. So clearly, once again, the Holy Spirit just knows how to like it get in the way before yeah, right? we before we mess things up. Because <laughs> absolutely to, to put you in the record store at the right time. Just tell me a little bit about um, kind of. I, I'm always interested about how relationships start uh, in terms of artists, because mm-hmm. as you said, you were shy. You're entering a new space, and here you are, one of your idols you know, is introduced to you. So I just want to know, like, what's that first impression like when you become not just a performer or just a fan, but you're now becoming either a colleague or an employee, you know what I mean? Like when you're starting to work with and for people who you've respected and loved your entire life and then being able to, to, to come at it at a professional way, right? Because you can't be as I said, you can't be a fanboy, a fangirl whenever you got a job to do. So just <laughs> talk about that. Like, how did that, you know, working with Diedrich, I, I, I remember those, by the way, those, those albums, those Detroit <laughs> albums, uh, what was it, New Hymns or something like that? Yeah, so I actually didn't sing with Diedrich until Voices of Unity. Ah, Voices so, of Unity, yeah, the old, yeah, yeah the so old, it was yeah. Voices of Unity, second edition. Um, that, was the, that was the first time I recorded with Diedrich. Now, I had, I had been singing with them for a few months by then, but that was the first time I recorded with them. Gotcha. But um, I, honestly, my relationship with everybody that I've, I've sung with is different. Um, Dietrich was more like, you know, like a big brother and it was real laid back, but at the same time, he was a stickler about, <clears throat> about harmony, excuse me, harmony and rehearsal and all of that. So I really learned um, a lot of discipline from Dietrich because he is, he is serious about his craft. Like it is not a game to him. He's very serious about rehearsing and constantly making sure that you are getting better. And so I learned that from him. I also learned, um, confidence from him that I did not have. Um, and so it was kind of like that kind of thing, like, okay, well, you, you may be insecure about your voice, but when you get on the stage, like all that has to, you, you have to leave all that behind. Like we mm-hmm. don't do that on stage. Um, and that helped me grow. Um, but with, with Sister Cole, it was, it was very different because um, I admired her from afar. And then when I actually sang with her, there if anything, it just grew my respect. Um, my respect for her grew. And more than anything, I started to realize that just as much as I wanted to learn from her, um, I was, I was assigned to her for a season. And, um, so I, I found myself interceding for her often and even though I was one of her singers, um, I also went with her a lot of times when she when she preached. Um, and so there was just a different level of respect and a different level of, I guess, care, because yeah. I really felt assigned to her. Like, it wasn't like, oh, I mean, it was, of course, because the Clark sisters are amazing. Let's just be real. <laughs> um, so, of course, there was still like that fangirl aspect, but very quickly. Um, it was just evident that like God had placed me there. And I knew my assignment was to cover her in prayer. And um, one of the first things that I learned singing um, with the Clark sisters was discretion. And that's something that can't be taught. Um, That's something that really is birthed out of respect that when you respect someone that everything that you see, everything that you learn 
everything that you know, your first thought is not to run and tell someone else. Wow. Your first thought is to, to cover and to respect. And so that's really what I learned um, right away from being in relationship with them is just discretion because so many people want a piece of them. So many people they're I mean, they're, they're connected in so many different ways um, because they're, they're uh, their roots are Kojic. And so, so many, so many pastors and first wives, you know, feel connected to them. And so many people that sing in the national choir feel connected to them, but they're also artists. And so there's so many different dynamics. Um, to their ministry. And so I really, I mean, I, I really had to learn discretion and I can remember having to be corrected once or twice. Like, you know, you, you talk too much, <laughs> mm. wow. you know, and coming from a, coming from a small town, um, it just wasn't something I would have learned, you know? So I have valuable lessons. I mean, did I enjoy the traveling? Absolutely. Did we have lots of fun? Absolutely. But boy, did I, I learned some character lessons with them. That's, that's what I take the most from. That's beautiful. And obviously we're coming off the heels of the, the, the biopic, the movie, which, Mm -hmm. um, you know, all of, um, I think all the music world, especially the church music world was a, you know, was just glued to. And, uh, as I said, before we started recording, I so respect the fact that you just alluded to the fact that this is not just a um is so much more than what people saw. Yeah. And and I think one of the things that, that I saw kind of welling up in a lot of people who are commenting on it was that aspect of what was behind the scenes, the the family dynamic. Obviously a movie cannot tell the whole story. You know what I mean? Like yeah. we even got just like this little picture of what people could present and even discretion in terms of what producers and what the family was able to present. And mm-hmm. so I so value that you said that the fact is we can't tell the whole story and we shouldn't want to tell the whole story because absolutely there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a, a, a relationship there. So many relationships that, are, that uh, deserve protecting. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I want to ask you, uh, you said you learned it in terms of working with them in terms of artistry, in terms of being kind of making sure that you're discreet. Uh, what aspect of that also went in terms of ministry in terms of your, what you were dealing with, either as a personal, you know, personally, what you want to do with ministry. Uh, when did like that, when, because you obviously already have a heart for ministry. That's why I'm going this direction. Mm-hmm. Did that ever feel like it was a disconnect in terms of the industry versus ministry? Or did you feel that it was always the same thing? I'm in this gospel industry, but I'm also ministering both to the artists and to the people out there. How did you deal with that kind of back and forth? Because I know the industry can be really take your, you know, make you feel very jaded and and, and unsure yeah. about whether it's really, you know, doing what it's supposed to do. Yeah. Well, I have to say that with Sister with Sister Cole, I mean, I, I refer to them that way. I, I try my best not to call them by their first name. Um, because if I was in their presence, I wouldn't. Now I would I would I refer to them as auntie, but um, you know, Sister Cole and Sister Sheard, especially anything that they do musically is ministry. I mean, there is no, there is no divide. Now, of course there's business and things like that, but you know, their, their business is their ministry. And so I think if anything, it just, it really, it lit the fire within me, um, for the fact that I felt like I, I did, I never felt like I was good enough to be a, Broadway singer or good enough to be a Jennifer Holiday or a Kim Burrell. But being under them really kind of gave me the courage to be who I'm called to be, like to be comfortable in who I'm, who I'm meant to be, who God made me to be. And for me, even when it comes to the industry aspect of things, um, it's just all about people for me. It's about God and it's about people. And I I mean, at the end of the day, that's the, that's the start and the finish. And so I absolutely feel like my time with them particularly um, really solidified that within me. I I mean, and that goes for, 
anybody that I sang with. I mean, um, you know, uh, Vanessa Bell Armstrong is the same way, you know, uh, it's just, and I don't, it may just really be a Detroit thing that like, they are very serious about ministry, you know, that yes, it's a, it's a business and it's an industry, but a lot of them, a lot of their businesses and careers were built from the church. And so I just feel like there's a different reverence that they have for ministry. That's a, that's beautiful. And I'm glad that I think part of where I've always been nervous about entering the industry, I've been mm-hmm. a local musician. I'll just kind of talk about myself for a second. I've never really in my head have entered the industry. I've never done a tour. I've always felt like locally and staying connected to the local church mm-hmm. kind of protected me from some of those scary uh, horrible stories where people, you know, where you get into like that deep and dark stuff in the industry where people fall off, lose yeah. their faith, lose everything. I mean, obviously the whole platform I built is about trying to help people balance that. So they don't fall off when they enter to the industry, get into, you know, mainstream R&B and all this other stuff, uh, whatever they're doing. I always want them to keep that focus and that balance. But me personally, I didn't even want to get close to it. So, yeah. it's, so it's refreshing to hear you say that, that the people like the Shears, like the Clarks, uh, the Vanessa Bell Armstrongs, those people don't lose their sense of who they are, Not whether it's Detroit, whether, whatever that foundation is. Um, and I've, I've been talking now, it's funny, Detroit's coming up. So many, I'm talking to so many other musicians that are from Detroit. So like Detroit's been represented really well over the last few months, <laughs> the last few uh, episodes. And it feels like there's a grounding. And so you mm-hmm. coming from a small town, you have also having that grounding. I think what you're, uh, what I hope people are hearing now, and like I said before, I feel like that's where the, the theme goes, is that you can't lose your sense of who you are just because of the stage you're on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and one thing about it is Sister sister Cole, for sure, it, I mean, I, I mean, as far as I know, she's definitely still like this, but for us, it, it was not, it was not a game for her, you know, like ministry was number one. And so if it meant the, if it meant choosing between someone who needed her for a banquet, you know what I mean? <laughs> At a church that has supported her for years compared to a large stage, you know, um, on TV, she was going to go to the banquet. I mean, it was just, there was just a very clear, um, passion and dedication to the local church. And and if I had to say that I really got that from anywhere, I would definitely say that I got that from my upbringing. But as an adult, um, that was reinforced definitely by singing with them. Beautiful. So now I kind of want to talk about you as an adult now that your own, you have your own sphere of influence. I know you probably wouldn't accept that, but you have (laughs) inspired and, and kind of become a both in the worship aspect in terms of going to these different ministries where you've led teams, where people have, you've had to pour into people now. Uh, You've had to lead, you've had to, you know, as a writer, you've expressed how um, worship has to be more than just what we do on platforms and and stages and and Sunday mornings. So can you talk a little bit about that, about how your own personal ministry, you talked about that, how you you were were, uh, inspired by the Clarks and by the people you work with. But now how did God kind of lead you into your own aspect of wanting, not again, I shouldn't say wanting to lead because that's not what I mean. But, yeah. But you did say coming to what God wanted you to, to do. And that doesn't include, you know, stepping into leadership. Yeah. I, I think for me, um, it was a hard, I, I'm going to be honest. It was not an easy uh, transition. I would have been fine with being a background singer until I'm 90, you know, (laughs) um, it was a great experience and I feel like it, it takes some of the pressure off. Um, but at the same time you can hide, you can hide being a background singer. And I knew that I was called, um, to leadership. I knew that, um, I knew, oh, this is hard to say out loud. I knew, (laughs) I knew as a child, um, that I was called to pastoral leadership. Um, I knew that my, my pastor spoke that over me when I was a child. She said that I was um, called to be a shepherd. And my uncle spoke that over me when I was 13. Um, as I got older, I remember being at a 
women's conference in Vegas. And this man said to me, he said, you will never fulfill the, the full call on your life until you accept that you are more than a singer. Um, wow. And I can remember Todd Hall giving me a prophecy. I mean, honestly, I can name at least six points in my life where it has just been a resounding reminder that you can try to hide all you want to, but I called you, you know, and all these have been, um, times and seasons to stretch you and mold you, but I have a calling for you. And, um, now I, I'm just so grateful to be in a place where I'm under a leader who absolutely believes in equipping people. I'm under a very healthy, um, pastor who, um, he, he sees people. He is very much an apostle, but would never form his lips to call himself an apostle. <laughs> he is a father and um, it has made it very easy for me to submit myself under his leadership. And I always tell the people that I lead that I do not want to lead from my gifts. I want to lead out of my relationship with God. And so I always encourage them that what we do on the weekends, what we do on Sundays um, on a stage should honestly just be an overflow of what has happened in our private time during the week. It's not like we get, get to church and all of a sudden we get to express our worship to God. Like that should be, that should be the overflow. Um, so, so what we do on stage should be the expression of who we are in Christ. Like literally from, from our being comes our doing, not the other way. I love that. I love that. And that's such an important part of identity because a lot of the stuff I write about, and I know that you talk about is identity. Um, whose you are, why we do what we do versus this, like you said, the doing, the human being versus the human doing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and as you and, I, you and I both know, the pressure is on creatives, often and artists, to simply be uh, uh, defined by our gifts, defined by what people see on the outside. And um, one post I remember writing, I don't know why I keep, I'm, I'm thinking about writing now because I'm talking to you as a writer. So now I'm, I don't <laughs> want to talk about my own writing, but this is what's coming out. No, it's okay. I love to um, hear it. I wrote a, 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 a post called uh, Love is the Killer Run hmm. because... At the time, I was, you know, how YouTube and musicians, we were all like trying to show off and trying to get attention by licks and, you know, vocalists runs. Yeah. And we just find ourselves wanting to, to use that as acceptance. Once they like me, once they sing, once they clap, once they on worship stage, once they worship, now I'm accepted. Yeah. Versus knowing that God loved us long before we could sing, long before we could dance, long before That's we could do right. any of those things. And he's not... He, although he loves those things, he's not, he's never going to be interested in those more than he's interested in our hearts. So that's can, right. Can you talk a little bit about that? Just because yeah, I think so many absolutely. artists struggle. Like I, even now, sometimes I get a little twisted and I think, oh, if I had played better, God mm-hmm. would have been more pleased with. Yeah. 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 Well, I, you know, something that the Lord constantly reminds me of, because I think it's a, a war we all have, but, um, you know, he didn't, he doesn't, he doesn't love me um, or he didn't give me a gift because he loves me. Like that's not proof that he loves me. Okay. He just loves me. And, <laughs> and the gift is just part of that. It's not, it's not, Oh, you know, you please me so well that I'm going to give you this gift. You know, it's just, that's, that's part of who he is. He is a gift giver. And so my, um, ability to sing does not make him fall in love with me anymore or any less. (laughs) And, um, I've had to learn that in seasons when I am not on stage. I mean, when I, when I've gotten pregnant with each one of my children, I have had to take a break, you know, and it is easy to be replaced, especially somewhere like Detroit. I mean, there's a gazillion singers, you know what I mean? Um, it is very easy to be replaced. And because, um, I have a lower, uh, voice, you know, I sang tenor, I sang tenor with the Clark sisters and I sang tenor with, um, Vanessa. And so it was, it was easy to be replaced with a guy who was an actual tenor. You know what I mean? 
yeah. Um, but I had to accept that, that that those seasons of when I'm not on stage or those seasons when I'm not doing certain things that people expect me to do, it does not change who I am. Uh, who I am is who I am and what I do is what I do. Yeah. And, and whenever I make what I do, um, whenever I make that bigger than who I am, then it becomes an idol. And I don't want, I don't want that. I don't want that um, offense between me and God that I'm like, well, you know, God, you must not love me because I'm no longer on stage. It doesn't have anything to do with that. You know? Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. even in this season, like I, my season right now is totally different. I mean, for the last year, I was um, the worship leader at one of our, our newer campuses. We, we, uh, we're at one church and six campuses. And so our newest campus, um, I was the worship leader there for a year. And um, my husband and I both knew, like after about a year, that, that the Lord was giving us different directions. Um, and I was like, but man, I just, I just started leading again and being over a team. And <laughs> but, um, and so now in this season, I'm doing more teaching and I'm doing more online stuff and, and more coaching and stuff like that. So I'm not on stage all the time. I'm not in front of a camera all the time, but I am fulfilled in what I am doing because it flows from who I am, not what I do. So awesome. And thank you so much for once again, making it clear that ministry is not just a one focused thing, especially when it comes to music. Um, I can tell you, we're all in this season right now. I hope, I don't know when will uh, people will hear this most likely, but you know, within a few weeks, I pray we're out of this whole coronavirus situation by then. Yeah. But so many of us musicians have been rudely reminded yeah, right? that, that our, our identity cannot be based on what we do. And uh, we have to be aware of our other gifts and Absolutely. our other talents. Once again, just to give myself as a quick example this whole week of we're recording this after Easter, the week leading up to Easter, I was obviously not playing. We weren't rehearsing. Mm-hmm. We weren't getting ready for our Easter cantatas and our Sunday school plays yeah. and <laughs> all that stuff. Normally, do so. What was I doing? I ended up being uh, mostly uh, a social media manager, mm-hmm. which I would never had imagined. You know, for <laughs> I mean, my entire life has been built around music. But where could I serve most effectively? in this era that all churches are now online yeah, was, was in an area where I could, you know, just jump in and say, well, how can I help you guys set up a Facebook page or something like yeah, that? Absolutely. And so it's so important. I think that all of the musicians and, and artists, singers, uh, creators listening now realize that you're not just a one faceted person. Like you are That's so, right. you have so many gifts. Like you, you, you haven't even touched the surface. I mean, you journal drawing, uh, art, writing, like you are I like a- I could not draw. You, you are, no, I'm sorry. Like I saw, I, I, I'm going to attribute it to you. I saw some drawings. I figured it was yours. I don't know. But <laughs> you could just say it was yours on Instagram. But, um, but you have so many gifts. And I think, you know what? Uh, I'll ask you this. Have you ever felt that, uh, let's say before when you were singing, did you ever feel that there were gifts you weren't expressing and now you are? Uh, or was there any kind of place where it's like, you're saying, wait, like you said, I'm more than a singer. There's more things that I can offer. And now in this season, it's like you're, you're discovering more about yourself and what you're actually capable of. Absolutely. I I mean, when I was singing, like I said, background can, it, it can be a crutch and it can be a wonderful place to hide. And there was definitely a, um, a season where I, I knew that the Lord was asking me to do more, but I was just really comfortable. I really, mm-hmm. <laughs> I was really comfortable singing background. And, um, and then there were also seasons where I knew, um, where at the churches, like where I was, where we were working, I knew that there was more to what I was doing, but at the same time, um, I wanted to be submitted to the leadership. And so that's always a hard place when, when you feel like there's more to you, but there's not a place or, or in, in that particular season, it doesn't look like there's a place for you to do that. Um, and so I think in the grand scheme of things, um, I'm 42 years old. I'm not a bit ashamed to say that. Um, but I will say that if I was at a church, um, like the one I'm at now, 
10 years ago, my entire life would look completely different. Wow. Um, Why is that? Um, because I am in a equipping house. I'm in a house that believes in raising up and sending out. And had I been under leadership um, that believed in me and really saw me through the eyes of Jesus Christ uh, 10 years ago, I would just be a lot further along, I think, in ministry. That being said, I'm 42. And at 42, I think you can appreciate it more also. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so while I may not be, you know, a spring chicken anymore, I'm, I've also seen enough and been through enough that I value this season beyond, beyond words. Oh, sorry about that. But I value this season beyond words. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's so beautiful. And the fact is that I think God knows what season we can handle Mm -hmm. and he places us there. And even though, like you said, sometimes we feel like our gifts are not being utilized. uh, I think we're grown on the inside as well. You know, your gift makes room for you. You know, we love to quote that, but is there room inside? Like, I don't think sometimes we excavate. We don't don't make sure that we're ready for what God's going to pour in. And Absolutely. Usually we, yeah. And so I think sometimes we, uh, we do get ahead of ourselves. I don't think you did, but I think overall, many of us creatives, we do like, oh, well, you know, God, I'm ready. I'm ready for this overflow. And then like, well, are you really? And yeah, he I knows wasn't. He knows, when <laughs> he knows when we're ready. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I definitely wasn't. <laughs> it's such a, it's I, such a, I don't think I had the accountability that I have now. I think gotcha. then, um, it, I was able to skate through a couple things. <laughs> And I think now um, I'm in a better place and I'm in a place where I have uh, good mentors and and I'm accountable to people. And so, um, you know, whatever God wants me to do, I'm willing to say yes. But 10 years ago, that wasn't the case. My yes was conditional. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's, I'm, that's, that's something we're all learning in terms of like what God says. I said one time uh, like this, like it's the, my problem is usually not when, God says no, and I wanted him to say yes. My problem is when God says yes, and I wanted him to say no. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's so <laughs> so good. So I feel like we've really get like covered a lot, but I wanted to let, give you a chance to brag on your family a little bit because I see, I see these beautiful pictures of these kids, and I oh. feel like I've watched them growing up over over social media. And just talk a little bit about the family thing. I think that's number one on your priority list. Nothing that I've seen in anything that you've done, Kelly, over these years that I follow you has has superseded your love for family, how you've cared for parents, how you've cared for your, you know, through moving and all the craziness yeah. that your family has gone through. You've yeah. maintained that. So just talk a little bit about like how you've maintained that balance of loving your family first before ministry and all this other stuff comes in. Well, it's definitely not easy. I, I mean, I, I love that it comes across that that is, I don't know, maybe naturally my priority, but it's not, <laughs> it's not, I'm a four on the Enneagram. I don't know if you're familiar with the Enneagram, but I, I am yes, a four. My, my, my family is reminding me all the time that I need to study it more because they keep saying, dad, you're this. I'm like, I don't really get it. <laughs> yeah. You need to, it helped me a lot. I'm definitely a four and a four is like an individualist and, um, So I am really, even though I like to be out and with people, I really am okay, like sitting alone with my thoughts. And so I have to be very intentional about um, spending time like with my kids and I have to be intentional um, about, uh, because my husband and I are both artists um, and are both into music and we both enjoy it so much, it's very easy for us to get into our own worlds you know what I mean? Like he could be tracking and I could be in here journaling or writing a novel or, you know what I mean? Like, um, so it does, it has to be very intentional, but I also think that the older that I've gotten, um, I've just realized that at the end of the day, that's, who's going to be there. You know, that, that, that's, who's not going to leave, you know, um, my seasons changed. Like, you know, I moved from Detroit, um, and we lived in California for a while and then we moved back to Detroit and then we lived in West Virginia and now we live in Pittsburgh. Um, and you know, I, I, up until maybe like four years ago, I still sang with, um, with 
Karen Clark and Vanessa Bell. But for the most part, you know, those relationships changed when I moved from Detroit. And so I think the older that I get and also the older that my children get, um, the more aware I am of the fact that, that um, it doesn't make any sense for me to be leading other people well and not leading well in my own home. It's just, yeah. it's hypocritical, you know? <laughs> um, and so that doesn't mean that I always get it right. It more than, more than often, I don't even know if I'm saying that correctly, more often than not, um, it just means that I apologize a lot. That when I'm wrong, um, I pull somebody to the side and say, hey, mom was wrong today. Like I am in a bad mood or I'm tired, you know, um, or I have a lot on my mind and I took it out on you. I'm sorry. You know, um, I mean, I apologize a lot. (laughs) And um, I think if anything, also just just the moving has made us aware that every environment is different. And so it's really up to us. Like we have to be the stable ground. Like our family has to be, our kids have to be able to rely on their parents. Like no matter what is going on, they have to know that we've got their back, that we love them, that we are trusting God and that as long as we're together, everything's going to be okay. So family has to be stable. Yeah. Yeah, no, I love that. And you've made it so clear again, because the, the fact that we've in this world of industry and music and ministry, you know, we've seen, I know you've seen, and I've seen that dynamic just twisted where the yeah. ministry becomes the family and the only mm-hmm. thing that matters. And unfortunately our kids, I mean, I've been there. I've, I wrote, I wrote about this in my book. My, my worst night ever as a parent was, uh, Easter weekend, one of these Easter weekends, and my son was in a play and I was at the church and forgot to pick him up. And mm. it was just one of those days that God kind of like slapped me upside the head. It's like, what are you thinking? Like, where was your head? But like you said, we can get in our own minds. And yeah. it's, 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 it's human for us mm-hmm. to be focused. It's human for us to obviously get love our gifts and love working on our projects. But the fact that I thank you for saying that, like intentionally drawing yourself out. And saying this has to come first because I think I've I've dealt with that. I think other creatives with families, whether it's kids, wife, a spouse, a mom, dad, you know what I mean? Whoever's in our yeah. world, we have to pull ourselves out sometimes, just out of Absolutely. the weeds of, of 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 working and doing what we do. So that's, thank you so much for that. I love this talk. I want to keep talking forever. I know, I know. <laughs> I know I can't. I know I'm going to have to like schedule some Zoom calls with you just so we can wrap and talk about books and novels and writing. Yeah, absolutely. I'd love it. Uh, so much that we could talk about. But before we go ahead, let me just go ahead and give you a chance to tell people, I know you're like, you know, now your your KB the Brave is my, you know, I love that. That's that's my favorite <laughs> like handle in the world for for Twitter or for Instagram. But just tell them Thank how they you. can follow you and uh, how they can be, you know, participate in the creative stuff and the ministry stuff that you're offering in terms of, you know, just sharing your world. Sure. Um, like you mentioned, I'm on Instagram. You can follow me at KB the Brave. I'm on Twitter at the same, but I can't say that I tweet all that much anymore. Um and I, my church, the church where I have the privilege of being on staff is called Allison Park Church um, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Uh, my husband and I do hope to uh, do some songs later this year, and hopefully I'll have some material. But if not, I'm so, I'm so okay with that. Like, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just so okay with just being Kelly. And so if you want to follow me and give me a shout out, and I'd love to meet y'all and get connected and um, we'll just see what the Lord has in the next few years. Well, I'm, I'm just going to go ahead and put, put a pin in that just being Kelly. Cause I think that's the, that's the title. That's the <laughs> title right there. Cause that's all that you need to be like you being just Kelly is the best. Like you don't have to, I, I would just love just being in your world for just five seconds, but being able to like follow you and listen to you. And again, just, just really just have you pour this wisdom and knowledge you know, you, I know you're very humble, but I know the Lord put it in you to offer to these, in these different seasons, whether it was with the Clark sisters or whether it was now in your new assignment, like you're just, you're just someone that pours, you're a giver. I think that that's what happens. God gives us his character and he's poured in the character of generosity to you in terms of your 
both giving in terms of serving, singing, and now, you know, leading through ministry. I just want to thank you so much for just being Kelly, because that's more than enough. It's such a privilege to be on your show. I just had a great time. Oh, this has been awesome. All right. Well, we're going to make sure to have you back sometime soon, but God bless you. Thanks so much for doing this. You as well. Thank you. My friend, I'm inspired all over again by hearing Kelly share with such authenticity and transparency. And I know whenever you're listening to this, that Kelly is continuing to serve her church, to serve the world, and to bless others with her ministry and her gifts in every area, her creative gifts, her ministry gifts. She's just overflowing with that. So please make sure that you tap all the links in the show notes with her socials and so that you can also follow along with the story of Story Collective Church. I'm so excited for her and can't wait to see what her and her husband have to share with the world. And I can't wait to see what you had to share with the world because you have a gift inside you, as Kelly was talking about, and something that only you can share that God has planted inside you. So if it's time for you to do that, maybe it's time for you to step into a whole new area of your creative life. Maybe it's even time to take a step of faith and go full time. If that's the case, I've got a free resource that would be perfect for you right in this moment and in this season. It's called the four questions you need to answer before going into full-time work as a creative. Long title, but very, very, very much exactly what you are looking for. Go pick it up at godandgeeks.com slash questions, or just tap the link in our show notes in the description of this episode, and you can get that sent right to your email inbox. So my friend, we have shared so much today. I just want to make sure that all the ladies of our entire community are continually honored. So if you're listening in the month of March, you're going to hear more episodes from our incredible ladies of God and Gigs. And I cannot wait to share more of these inspiring and powerful interviews with you all month long. And obviously throughout the history of God and Gigs, there's always going to be an emphasis on making sure every member is celebrated, is appreciated, and is elevated to the place that God would want them to be. So Until next time, continue to become the creative that you were created to be. God bless, and I'll see you next episode. Thanks for joining us here at the God and Gigs Show. Please leave us a review on iTunes, like our Facebook page, or visit GodandGigs.com and tell us what you thought of this show. We'll be back soon. In the meantime, go create something amazing.